That ball you want to take? That there's a mistake. Callahan. Callahan's a poser. Yeah, and what do you know that every scout and coach on earth does not? I know we got sacked 12 times last year. No, it was 11. It was 11 times. Yeah, well, four of them were mine in one game. Yeah, I remember. I, I, I saw your highlight reel. I also remember that he beat you. Watch it again. Don't watch me. Watch him. Watch me sack him four times in one game, then watch what happens after. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to week five of the BF War Room. Every week, myself, Steve Mathis, you can find me on Twitter at Judge Mathis. I'm joined by Randy Hardman. You can find him on Twitter at Randy Hardman. Is Randy Hardman 52 one of these weeks? I'm going to get it. Randy yeah, Hardman. It's, yeah, it's at Randy Hardman or Randy underscore Hardman 52. There we go. Uh, every week we will be breaking down the week that was in college football and give you some thoughts on some prospects that really, you know, popped off every weekend. Uh, we'll be analyzing the Buffalo Bills team needs and giving you a preview of the games and players to watch uh, this week coming up in week five. So make sure you are joining us right here uh, every Thursday morning on all major podcasting platforms. And if you're listening to this, you already know. So uh, you don't need to be informed, but hey, share, share, share. Let your friends know if they're interested in the draft, if they're interested in Buffalo Bills prospects, they are going to want to join us on this journey. You know, we're no experts. You know, me and Randy were having a conversation right before we came on. Like, hey, where are some sites that we can be looking? Where are some places that we can be looking in order to get some of the best information as we prepare for this draft uh, next offseason? So before we get to week five, a little recap of week four. Uh, NC State upset Clemson. I know that that was something that we both thoroughly enjoyed. It's always fun when that uh, um, when that when that meme of Dabo Sweeney running out and the Clemson flag waving, it just says L on it. When that meme comes out, you know, it has been a good weekend. You had a chance to sit down and actually watch that game. I just saw the highlights. Uh, talk about how our guys on that offensive line, Grant Gibson, and um, one of these days I'm going to pronounce his name correctly, how they did against uh, how they did against uh, that uh, Clemson defensive line, which is really, really good. Uh, well, I mean, they did great. Um, Ikum Ikwanu is uh, how you say it. Um, they did great. Uh, there's um, the, the defensive end Walker for Clemson had two sacks on the day. Uh, mm. But aside from that, they, I mean, they were rock solid. Um, Aquanu, especially I noticed him uh, being out there on the, on the edge as a tackle. Um, just nothing really got by him. He was finishing blocks. He was, you know, re he was uh, getting out there on the reaches on the run plays. He was sealing his corners. I mean, he was doing a really good job. Um, so again, against, you know, one of the, one of the, supposed to be top teams in the nation who uh are quote unquote we too deep um <laughs> they uh yeah they, they didn't get much by him so i was i was pretty excited about that um the uh the other guy for north carolina state i mean basically the whole line looked pretty good clemson didn't get a whole lot of pressure that entire game and um north carolina state they they threw for a lot so they had they had good protection in the game yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what. Gibson is a guy that I'm really looking at center. I'm a big fan of those centers who have low center of gravity. He's 6'1", uh, three, uh, 315, former D tackle. So I really like Gibson in the middle there. And then obviously our guy over there playing left tackle, which is something he's probably not going to do in the National Football League. My guess is he's probably going to be drafted to be a right tackle. Most people want him uh, or think he'll be at best on the interior of the offensive line. But the more he plays left tackle and the more he plays like this, the more people could start looking at him as a left tackle and the more he could 
I mean, he's already maybe possibly pushing himself out of position for the Buffalo Bills to be able to get their hands on him. Yeah, I mean, I I keep seeing him ranked as like a top three interior offensive lineman in the class. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think you might you might have a situation where you get a, a Brandon Bean type pick where they say, oh, yeah, we're going to play him at tackle. And mm-hmm. then come to realize, you know, 18 months later, eh, probably better inside. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it'll be crazy to see what happens, because I know he is one of those he is one of those players that has caught the attention of of pro football focus. So if you follow the PFF college account or listen to any of the pro football focus college podcasts, they talk about him on a weekly basis. And he is a guy that is rising up their boards. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if if that is the same in the NFL scouting community, uh, because, you know, I mean, we, we honestly could. We didn't we didn't see it last year. We did not see it last year, but we have seen in the past guards go. There are certain guards that go relatively early, but lucky enough that if teams do envision him as a guard, uh, there are a ton of good guards in front of him as well. And, and guys like Tyler Lindenbaum, who's going to be obviously a center and guys like Kennard from Kentucky who are going to be a guard. So there it's just the wealth of talent on the interior offensive line of this draft. And we're going to get to the BC game in a little bit um, when we do our preview. Just there are so many players to choose from. And it seems to me, and we're going to, again, get to this when we start talking about positions of need, the Buffalo Bills are going to need some interior offensive linemen uh, in this in this draft because there's not a lot of holes on this team. Uh, a couple of, of, of funny things to note before we get started. UB, for any of UB fans in the house, were up 35-7 to seven on Old Dominion. There were three, count it, three kick blocks in the first quarter. <laughs> kick and pump blocks in the first quarter of that game. Uh, Buffalo ended up going up 35 to seven. It was one of the sloppiest, most disgusting games ever. They were up 35, seven, turned it off. I turned it off at the half. Uh, Old Dominion came back to tie the score. Four. Yeah. And uh, Old Dominion came back to, uh, well, they should have tied it, right? So they score a touchdown with like a 30 seconds left to make it 35, 34. Get an excessive celebration penalty and miss the extra point. So that was... The funniest moment, I think, in college football. UB had no uh, business winning that football game. They screwed the pooch uh, late in that one. Uh, and Syracuse beat Liberty. So, kudos to them storming the field for beating, um, you know, one, a 1A independent. So, good for Syracuse that was, to be back on top. <laughs> that, that, was a, that was a fun game because I saw um, our guy Sports Rock, too. You know, he said he doesn't, he doesn't get it with Malik Willis. Yeah. Um, and not to get too deep on the quarterback stuff because it's not something that we're going to be looking mm-hmm. at this year, really. But I I think that's it's kind of funny because if you look at it, Willis was the entire team. Like he was the entire offense for them. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there he definitely has a future in the pros. I'm just not sure, you know, where it is. I think it's going to take yeah. a special type of guy that's it's going to be like Lamar Jackson, where a coach is going to have to embrace who he is and not try and change him, mm-hmm. you know, for the worse. Yeah. I mean, speaking of quarterbacks, this quarterback class, oh, woof. Uh, Keaton Slovis, my guy, Keaton Slovis, uh, USC got curb stomped by Oregon State 45 to 27. Drake London is still doing beautifully this season, by the way. Drake London had another big game. That big boy wide receiver is definitely going to be on my radar towards the end of the first round. But Slovis, three picks. It'll be interesting to see once Jackson Dart comes back from injury, whether Keaton Slovis decides to enter the NFL draft whether he decides to transfer. If he decides to enter the NFL draft, I'm still high on Keaton Slovis. I think he's gotten some t- awful coaching. I think Graham Harold's a, f- a fucking joke. I don't understand why he gets the hype he got when when he's really done nothing his entire coaching career. 
Um, people just like him because he used to be the quarterback of that Texas Tech offense. I really like Keaton Slovis as like a middle to late round sleeper in the draft if you're looking for a backup quarterback to develop just because I think he's been so misused at USC, but I think he's going to end up transferring out and going somewhere. But here's a quarterback who is rising up every draft board. This is a guy who just based off of his UCLA comeback that I mentioned to you last week, I would have drafted this dude. This dude like literally was just getting murdered out there. Byron Leftwich moment leading his team down the field to beat uh, UCLA last week. Jake Hayner from Fresno State is the best quarterback in college football right now. Currently, he is the best. He's the best college quarterback. I'm not saying he's the best NFL prospect, but Jake Hayner out of Fresno State. If you guys aren't staying up late to watch some of these West Coast games on CBS Sports Network like I am, Jake Hayner is legitimately the best quarterback in college football right now. 73% completion percentage, 1,800 yards passing, 15 touchdowns, two picks through these first four games. He is absolutely in fuego. He's 6'1", 195, and every game he seems to get some kind of nick or knack that show, and he's hobbling around the football field. But he reminds me of Baker Mayfield. This guy is legitimately, I think, if he could add 10-ish, 15-ish pounds to his frame, could be a legitimate first or second round caliber quality quarterback in the NFL draft and could draw some comparisons to Baker Mayfield. He is a name that you're going to start hearing about once draft season comes around, now he is a junior, so he does have the option to come back and play another season at Fresno State. But Jake Hayner is legitimately the best quarterback in college football right now. Well, that Watching makes two Baker Mayfield types. So much, so much fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, Spencer Rattler, Oklahoma 16, West Virginia 13. Big yikes. I loved after the game. He, someone asked him, like, you know, the fans have been saying this. The fans have been saying that. And Austin Rattler's like, I don't care what the uh, Spencer was like, I don't care what the fans say, you know, blah, blah. Yeah. If I were you, I wouldn't care what the fans say either. I wouldn't listen to it either because it's awful because you were playing awful Spencer Rattler. But he did give our guy Austin Stogner a nice little pass in the red zone. His only catch of the game, Austin Stogner, the six foot six, 250 pound tight end there at Oklahoma, completely misused. But hey, keep on misusing him, Oklahoma, because I would love him in the middle rounds of the NFL draft. I love me some Austin Stogner there uh, at Oklahoma. The last game I had on my list here. Uh, actually, I have two more games we got to talk about from this previous week. Arkansas 20, Texas A&M 10. Um, KJ Jefferson for Arkansas. That quarterback is going to be special. When he is uh, eligible to become uh, draft eligible, he is going to be a top five pick. Uh, look like look like collegiate Cam Newton out there. I mean, this, this kid is the real deal. KJ Jefferson, Traylon Burks, starting to think he might not be sitting around the board in the late 20s or early 30s when the Buffalo Bills could be picking. Uh, I mean, this guy's six foot three, 230 pounds, do-it-all receiver, six catches, 167 yards, and a touchdown. Um, yeah, that Ar- he was the Arkansas offense, him and, and K.J. Jefferson running around uh, in that 20-10 victory over Texas A&M. But one player that really stuck out to me in Arkansas, and this is a position that the Buffalo Bills need, John Ridgeway. Their their defensive tackle at Arkansas, six foot six, 325, 320 pounds. He didn't put up any stats, no tackles, no nothing. But that dude was affecting the game, and he was getting a lot of interior rush and, and just affecting the quarterback. Uh, not that their quarterback at Texas AM is any good, Calzada. He looked awful. Uh, but John Ridgeway was having himself uh, an absolute day there for Arkansas, affecting the game. And I think he would be a great piece next to Ed Oliver and a guy you can develop uh, to eventually take over that star role of that guy who just eats blockers. But uh, yeah, and, Texas- and that's sorry, but that's no, you're good. What, what you said with, with Ridgeway there, it kind of transcends the conversation that we've had to have about Star Latule 
and about you know a guy like Jordan Davis or any other you know one tech interior player is that you can't just watch the stats. You can't just box score scout with these guys. You have to actually watch the games because they're not going to be the guys that are going to be putting up numbers. I mean, if it, if a guy like that gets three sacks a year, it's amazing. It's mind blowing because it just mm-hmm. doesn't usually happen. So I think for anybody out there that's listening that that hears these names and, and starts looking at box scores and say, well, he's not putting up any stats. What, what are these guys talking about? You got to watch the games. You have to watch them and really focus on what they do and how they affect the game. Cause for every, for every, you know, block that they shed that somebody else has to come and pick them up. They're letting somebody else get through. Mm-hmm. So just yeah, a little I mean, word of advice, anybody out there that may be <laughs> listening, you know? Yeah. And, and I like that too. Cause like uh, when you look at the Texas A&M offense, um, it, it wasn't much of a day there. Isaiah Spiller, solid running back prospect will probably be a second or third round pick 12 carries, 95 yards, touchdown caught five for 26. Um, but Aeneas Smith, who I liked is that sort of like uh, gadget type Isaiah McKenzie running back slash slot receiver for Texas A&M two catches for 35 yards. My guy, the tight end Jalen Weidermeyer completely mismanaged. He had to stay in and block most of the day because they couldn't block that Arkansas defensive line. One catch for 18 yards, but Kenyon green guy we've talked about on this podcast before is going to be possibly a first round pick as an offensive lineman from Texas A&M. Everyone projects him to be an offensive guard in the National Football League, right? But he's been playing right tackle all season. He kicked in to right guard this game for Texas A&M and started. So this is a guy who's been playing all year at right tackle. Kicked in and started this game at right guard. Their left tackle was getting whooped so hard by the defensive end of Arkansas that Kenyon Green in the middle of the game shifted to left tackle and held his own. That is some versatility from a guy right there in Kenyon Green, something that I know the Buffalo Bills appreciate. The dude literally... Mid game switch from right guard to left tackle. That's the dire straits that Texas A&M was in with that Arkansas pass rush that day. So kudos to Kenyon Green, and that's a game you know a lot of scouts had their eyes on that game. Arkansas, Texas A&M, those are two big programs playing in Jerry World. You know that 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 was something that did not go unnoticed in the scouting community. Kenyon Green, mid game, switching from right guard to left tackle, um, and holding his own. Uh, yeah, Green's a, Green's a hell of a player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he is so a good. hell of a player, and I think um, I think his workouts when it comes time for the for the postseason, mm-hmm. like that's going to elevate him even more so because you're going to be able to see the the versatility and also the the lateral ability um, mm-hmm. that being able to switch positions like that is going to offer you know on the on that type of a venue. So it'd be real interesting to see how he tests and where he where he mm-hmm. ends up going. The last game I had earmarked here was Baylor and Iowa State. So Iowa State this year, man, two losses for Matt Campbell. Uh, Baylor wins this one 31-29. Dave Aranda, like we know, he's close personal friends with Sean McDermott. They are in contact with each other throughout the season. Um, they bounce ideas off of each other. So they are very close. So you got to know that you know, Dave Aranda is the one that gave the stamp of approval for Trey White when he was the DC over at LSU. So Baylor program on the rise. You got to note Dave Aranda has that relationship with Sean McDermott. Baylor games have to be on your watch list from here on out. And there's a big Baylor game this weekend that we're going to preview against Oklahoma State in a little bit. But they are now ranked 21st in the country. They got some players on this defense. Jalen Petrie, split safety. He has played linebacker in his career. He's played nickel corner in his career. Um, six foot two, 195 pounds, got some decent size. Um, five tackles, two assisted tackles. Very versatile defensive back playmaker for that Baylor football team. So Jalen Petrie's a guy you got to keep your eye on. Terrell Bernard is a linebacker. He left with the torn meniscus of a couple plays into the game. 
It's the second year in a row with a rather significant injury, but he's still a very good football player at linebacker there. And then uh, Siaki Ika, the nose tackle from LSU, six foot four, 350 pound transfer. Only had one tackle, but and he was only in there on rundowns. But that was a dude who could, you know, clog some lanes. I don't. The thing with with uh, with Ika is the same thing with Tedderell Slayton. I don't know if the Buffalo Bills are going to be in the market for a guy who's run stuff only. Like Star Latule can still get after it in the pass rush. Like if it like you, he doesn't need to just be on the field on first and second down, right? Like if the situation called for it, all of our defensive tackles could be there on every single down. This guy, Siaki, Siaki Ika, six foot forty pounds. That dude can only play on obvious running downs, early situations, like base defense type of situations. I just don't know as much as I like him, you know, I love my big fatties. Um, I, I just don't know whether the bills would have an eye on a guy like Ika. Yeah. I, I think what it comes down to is what do what do we like versus what is Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier like? And even if mm-hmm. you know, even if Frazier were to move on and somebody else were to come in, I mean, it's just a a, a two down run stuffer only just doesn't seem to fit in mm-hmm. this defense. So you know, even though like we like a guy like Jordan Davis, he's a three down player, or mm-hmm. he could be a three down player. He's not necessarily just a two down player. Um, I think last year we went a little bit overboard with Tyler Shelvin, obviously. Yeah. But you know, it was it was a fun you know it was it was fun to uh, to talk about that. I know. Um, going back to that Iowa State game, uh, you know, last week I said I'm intrigued by him every week. This week against Baylor, I mean, look, Brock Purdy is not a great quarterback. Mm-hmm. Brees Hall, uh, what a day! What a day! What two over 240 yards on 32 touches total between mm-hmm. runs and catches, three touchdowns, He's 36 forced missed tackles this season. Yeah, I mean, second, he, highest, he is... second highest in the nation behind. Uh, Kenneth Walker, who I'm falling in love with Kenneth Walker day by day from Michigan State, by the way. He's my new Javante Williams. But uh, Brees Hall had himself a day. And that's a perfect transition because I, the next thing I want to talk about is like, the Buffalo Bills needs. So reassessing their needs. Last week we had a conversation like, could running back possibly be a need? And, and your justification was, you know, burn him and churn him. But after this season, Devin Singletary is still going to have a year on his contract. And Zach Moss is going to still have two years on his contract. So as much as I love... Brees Hall, those 36 force missed tackles. As much as I love Kenneth Walker, um, as much as I might like um, some of these other running backs in this draft class, there's also freshmen like breaking records left and right. <laughs> and there are freshman running backs every week showing up on the PF5 highest graded list at running back. If you're the Buffalo Bills, are you really, even if you're following that philosophy of Burnham and Churnham, are you really drafting a guy to get the TJ Yeldon treatment this offseason, or are we more two years down the road? Could a guy like Brees Hall, if he's sitting there in the third round, be a pipe dream for the Buffalo Bills? I think I think it's a pipe dream right now, unless you know, unless plans change. But mm-hmm. somebody who's not a pipe dream who could offer versatility as a kick returner or punt returner, as well as a third down change of pace back, mm-hmm. somebody who is explosive and elusive, Kyron Williams from Notre Dame would yeah. be an option there. He didn't have a very so, good game against Wisconsin, though. Not a great game. Yard- Three yards per carry, but that was another big game. I mean, that was an absolute crazy game. Notre Dame, I think, yeah. I mean, it was relatively close, and then there was a kick return touchdown and two pick sixes in a row, and that game was over. Uh, but if he so fits the mold funny. of the type of guy mm-hmm. that could yeah. that could offer something that we don't have, you know, I know that you're Matt Breida's biggest fan, mm-hmm. but um, you know, he's not somebody that you think is going to be long for the team. So yeah. being able to replace him with a cheap rookie contract and uh, potentially, you know, if you were to move on from either Singletary or Moss, uh, somebody that could slide in there and share carries mm-hmm. as well would be advantageous for us. Um, as far as other players from that Iowa State game, 
I kind of turn to the defensive side. Um, mm-hmm. I like Greg Eisworth from Iowa State, yep. the safety. Um, just a just a workhorse type of guy. I think probably a mid to low round player, but uh, somebody that's going to be um, just there on a day to day basis, like a Jim Leonard or um, mm-hmm. a Dean Marlowe type guy. Yeah, you know, depth safety. Back, depth safety, but uh, somebody that I'm really enjoying watching. And then there are uh, there are three tech Uzurike. Uh, mm-hmm. He had, a, I mean, he had a, a good game for for what they asked him to do. And uh, you know, you're talking about he had three tackles, two solos. Mm-hmm. He had a tackle for loss or two tackles for loss, a hurry, and a sack. You know, playing that interior D line spot. So yeah. again, and that'll that'll be really interesting to see what they do with Boogie Basham over the next year, right? Because if they decide to ask Boogie to slim down to 260, 265, Buffalo Bills could be in play. I mean that entire interior defensive line needs a, a facelift, right? Like Vernon mm-hmm. Butler, Harrison Phillips, like they're, they're all going to be gone probably after the season. It's going to be Justin Zimmer, Starla Tulele, who's going to be on the last year of that contract, and it's going to be Ed Oliver. And you don't even know if you want to re-up Ed Oliver yet. Like you definitely, you probably want to, don't get me wrong. You want to, but at the end of the day, what what's his, we're about to have this conversation with Tremaine Evans. What's his market value going to be? What is his production been, et cetera, et cetera. Is he worth extending on another contract? Uh, or going and trying to find value elsewhere. So trying to find some value both at three tech and at the one tech position is something the Buffalo Bills are going to have to think about. But I mean, such an absolutely stacked roster the Buffalo Bills find themselves with. Like it's it's hard to pick apart what their needs are. We've said every every single week this week, every single week this year, we've said offensive line, offensive line, offensive line, interior offensive line, interior offensive line, interior offensive line. And we've talked about interior offensive linemen to death. Um, and we're going to even talk about some more when we go to preview some of these games this week, but cornerback, we're going to get to cornerback in a second. But if you're really like trying to grasp at straws, we've been talking about running back. Um, We could probably mention tight end. Uh, We could probably mention defensive tackle. And then another position I wanted to talk about was linebacker. You know, I made the comment uh, on Twitter the other day, Tremaine Edmonds, respectable football player, right? Like a good football player. I'm not sitting here trying to, to bash Tremaine Edmonds, but, at the end of this year, he ends he 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 goes on to his fifth year option, which is a rather significant portion of money. Then he hits the open market. Tremaine Emmons, in terms of inside linebackers, is one of the top ten inside linebackers in the National Football League. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You can't name seven or eight guys who are better than him. And if you can, at least a couple of them are probably older players like Bobby Wagner, who are going to be off that list in a couple of years. So if you think about it, in terms of young. Inside linebackers, Tremaine Emmons is a, is a top five inside linebacker. So when he becomes a free agent in two years and he hits that market, if he keeps playing the way he is and our defense keeps playing the way it is, he's going to set the market. So do you want to set the market on Tremaine Emmons, who is respectable, or do you want to try to trade him this offseason for capital, or do you want to let him walk and get your um, let him walk and get your uh, compensatory pick? And if so, linebacker all of a sudden becomes a need. Tyrell Dotson is Tyrell Dotson the guy you're grooming to fill that role are you gonna be drafting a guy this offseason as a buffer in case Tremaine Edmonds walks or are you waiting until Tremaine Edmonds walks and then instead of being proactive being reactive to Tremaine Edmonds leaving those are the questions you have to ask yourself if you are one of those people who are a a true non-believer or a a true believer in Tremaine Edmonds but not a believer enough to pay the man his bag those are the thoughts that go through your head and I know you were thinking about that and there were some linebackers that you had your eye on yeah, I think when it comes to to Tremaine Edmonds, um, obviously Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, they want him to to become mm-hmm. everything that they expect him to be. Um, not only for their own purposes of 
you know, developing the player and, and where they drafted them, moving up and all that, but also because of the time and the investment that they've made uh, just in, in coaching them and changing positions. And he's had some things that have gone against him, mm-hmm. um, you know, injuries and, and so and so forth. And um, I think this year will tell you a lot about where he ultimately is going to end up being. He is such a young player. He started so young. But, I mean, he this is this is his fourth year as a pro. He took some bad angles in that Washington football team game. He and did. Like, every single one of their big plays, usually Tremaine Edmonds was the catalyst for that big play. And I'll tell you what, it, it wasn't the – a lot of people point to the missed tackle on McKissick. Um, mm-hmm. That wasn't the one that, that really – Mm-hmm. It, it was tough, but it wasn't the one that, that made me kind of cringe. It was it was the one where um, Heineke was rolling. I believe he was going left. And um, Edmonds gave a little bit too much leverage, and then Heineke came back and threw it um, mm-hmm. over the middle to Logan Thomas right behind Edmonds. And if he had just kind of stayed home instead of taking that – instead of going a little bit too far, then he would have been able to stop jump and intercept the ball and instead it went right by him logan thomas gets a crucial first down in the red zone so it it was that one was the one that kind of stood out to me and i was like man those those are the type of things i just i wish that he would just get Mm -hmm. because it goes from you know a a touchdown drive to what could have been a turnover yeah i mean the the tyler haneke touchdown in that red zone train Edmonds read the scramble diagnosed the scramble and then when he ran after tyler haneke he ran for like three yards north of the pylon. It's like, how do you expect to meet Tyler Heineke at the pylon to stop him if you're running to the middle of the back of the end zone? I don't. I didn't understand that the the route he was taking to the to to get to Tyler Heineke. He was going to meet him three yards into the end zone. I didn't understand that. The Antonio Gibson when he got caught up place again. There was one play where you know he was playing in 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 deep zone coverage and. Um, he followed McLaurin and the, the one ball went to, to Logan Thomas. That, that might even be the play you're referring to. Um, that one didn't rub me as wrong uh, as some of the other ones, just because uh, I probably would have followed, followed Terry McLaurin too. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just for the Tremaine Edmonds haters out there, which I'm not a big fan of, because like I said, he's a good football player. I think a lot of people who bash Tremaine Edmonds are doing it for attention. Uh, but if you're willing to be critically, if you're willing to be critical, but not like, overly critical for attention which i think is like a conversation we're having we're not having a, a conversation that is going to go get ten thousand clicks on twitter because someone said something super controversial we're just having what i want to a yeah. common sense conversation uh but there are some people who are like i think we should give andre smith a shot at middle linebacker i like the way he hit justin <laughs> i like the way he hit justin fields yeah. that was fun season yeah yeah like those are the people that i'm just like oh okay and that's what makes i think people like us afraid to have that reasonable conversation that is also week three <laughs> three of the nfl season yeah i mean it's but it's it's a draft early. podcast though this is a draft right. podcast and yeah and that was that was my caveat with it too i was like listen this can all change in the span of 10 weeks <laughs> like this this take can go real cold real quick um so uh but anyway but it doesn't hurt to have your eyes yeah. open as mm-hmm. to what's out there and speaking of eyes open i mean i have my eye i've had my eyes this season on devin lloyd from utah who's having a killer season jack campbell from iowa having a killer season I really like Mika McFadden from Indiana. He's having a good season. There's a guy that you from LSU that you had your eye on. Talk a little bit about Damone Clark. Sure. Um, so as I was kind of preparing for today, I happened to stumble across um, this guy, mm-hmm. Damone Clark, for uh, LSU. Let me get back to my notes on him real quick. And um, so in the Mississippi State game that we had highlighted last week uh, for Martin Emerson from Mississippi State, mm-hmm. uh, I see that Clark had 15 tackles in just – 
15 tackles in the game, eight of which were solos. Yeah. Um, so that kind of caught my interest, and I thought, well, I need to take a look at this guy and see a little bit more. Well, Damone Clark checks in at six foot three, two hundred forty-five pounds. Great size yeah, I, for an inst- you know yeah. for a middle linebacker. And then come to find out that he runs somewhere between a four four and a four six. Well, that's pretty interesting too. Mm-hmm. Playing at an SEC school, he's on pace to more than double his previous tackles uh, numbers for the for last year when he set the record for his personal best. Then come to find out he's on the Buckus uh, watch list. So and now he's a senior. So these things are kind of all adding up. And I'm saying, well, why mm-hmm. didn't I? Uh, why haven't I heard more about him? So it's somebody that I knew nothing about previous to this week. The stats caught my attention, and now I'm going to go back and start watching the games to see what he does well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what this is all about. It's not. It's not that we're experts on all these guys and we know everything about them. It's that they're catching our attention, and now we're trying to, you know, let everybody else know. Hey, mm-hmm. go back and take a look. Yeah. I mean, speaking of taking a look, uh, cornerback is a position that I think we've all had our eyes on. Uh, the, the cornerback that really stood out to me this week was Bennett Williams, the slot corner from Oregon, six foot one, 205 pounds. I know not a lot of people stay up late. Like I do on the West coast here, uh, watch the pack 12 after dark, but against Arizona, who's not a great team, mind you, Arizona, eight tackles, two interceptions. Um, so a good day for Bennett Williams, the slot corner. And that's important to keep an eye on slot corners because Teron Johnson's contract is expiring. Um, our guy, uh, McDuffie from Washington had a pick. Our guy, Mikel Wright from Oregon had a pick. So he had a beautiful interception in the end zone. Pac-12 corner showing up. McDuffie this season uh, from Washington, 66 coverage snaps, 10 targets, two catches allowed for only 15 yards, no touchdowns. He's going to be a guy who it'll be interesting. There's just so many good corners. I think McDuffie could drop right into our lap. And I know the Buffalo Bills aren't prone to, to, uh, I mean, they took Trey White and they've taken Nate Clements and Antoine Winfield in the past. But uh, since McDermott has taken Trey White, he has been very uh, hesitant, despite some fans and uh, other people being very vocal about drafting in their corner, drafting one high. Uh, McDuffie could be sitting in our lap right there in the 28 to 32 range. Um, so he's he's definitely a guy uh, that I'm big into. Uh, that's a big we'll- question, though, is is who do you think who, who do you think is really going to be the one that's going to be replaced? Yeah. Is it the outside with Levi or Dane? Or is it Teron Johnson? I know yeah. as it stands right now, my preference is to re-sign Teron Johnson. I want him back and, so bad. And Get to replace one of the guys outside. And and here's the thing. If you give Teron Johnson a four-year deal and you draft a guy in the first round and he can become your boundary corner for four years, when you have to pay that guy, Teron Johnson's contract is up. Perfect. And the best Perfect the best guy. part, the best part about taking an outside corner versus mm-hmm. a slot corner is that you re-sign Teron Johnson for you know three, four years, right? Yeah. Well, Levi Wallace is on a one-year deal for what a million bucks. Dane Jackson's yeah. on a, a dirt cheap rookie deal. So it's yeah. not like you even have to cut either one of those guys just because you draft a corner. You can mm-hmm. keep them all. Yeah. <laughs> and let the guy come <laughs> along at his own speed. I mean, yeah. it's a win, it's a win-win when you're trying to improve one of the not weak, not weakest, but one of the lesser talented positions on your defense. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's a better strategy to go that way. We'll see what Johnson's uh, market value is and where that comes across this year. But I know if I had a preference, that's the way that I would I would lean. Yeah. Uh, another corner that I, I I was he wasn't on my radar. Usually when I think Texas and defense, I don't really uh, <laughs> I don't really get too excited. At least not in a long while since like the days of Earl Thomas. But Josh Thompson, quarterback from Texas, six foot, one hundred ninety one pounds, senior, ninety coverage snaps this season. 
Seven times he's been targeted. He's allowed four catches, no touchdowns, one interception. So Josh Thompson is a guy that I'm going to be keeping my eye on. And then the last corner I have, which segues into our preview, because I don't think this game is going to be part of our preview, but one matchup I'm going to be watching this week, um, Taiwan Mullen, brother of Trayvon Mullen, who's having himself a, a pretty decent season out in Las Vegas. Uh, Taiwan Mullen, the corner uh, out of Indiana, five foot 10, 180 pounds. He's on the smaller side, um, but really physical, really aggressive. Uh, the heart and soul of that Indiana defense. I mean, just absolute culture, dude. Absolute, like, just like, when you when you check out Indiana Hoosier Twitter, when you get into Indiana Hoosier football Twitter, it is it is Mullen Mullen Mullen, and like that dude is just absolutely beloved in that community. Um, and and he stepped up on the football field. He's been on PFF's like Player of the Week, player Players of the Week list like every single week. He's checking the boxes. Um, forced I think the most incompletions of any corner in college football this season, and he's going up one v one against Jahan Dotson of Penn State, who's one of the better wide receivers in college football right now. Um, so Mullen versus Dotson is going to be a crazy good matchup to look out for, uh, when Indiana takes on Penn state this weekend, that's definitely not gonna be one of our preview games though, but maybe be gone into, uh, Indiana versus Penn state every once in a while when Penn state is on offense and check out Mullen versus Dotson. Um, but speaking of that, let's start previewing some of the games for this week. You said you had a Thursday game. My guess is it's probably Virginia at Miami on ESPN seven 30. Was that your yeah. Thursday? Was that your Thursday game of the week? Any uh, yeah. anyone in particular you got your eyes on in that in that game? Not you know what? Not particularly. It's just it's no. a fun it's a fun game. ACC, you know, um, this regime has kind of dipped heavily into the ACC pool um, since they've been here. Um, even going back in the in the Doug Whaley days, they were mm-hmm. they tended to uh, dip more into the ACC than the SEC for whatever reason. So, just like to keep familiar with with all those programs. Miami is a program mm-hmm. that's. Kind of in the middle. UVA doesn't usually put out a lot of draft picks, but they might have one or two guys. And this is a this is another situation too for um, when when scouting college football. Manny Diaz and Sean McDermott also have those ties together. Um, so Manny Diaz and Sean McDermott are also tied together. I mean, you got Charleston Rambo, uh, the wide receiver to keep an eye on. Um, the big one I would keep an eye on is Cameron Harris, the running back for Miami. Um, you know, six five foot ten, five foot ten, two hundred ten pounds. He's a Bolden. solid, versatile. Um, Bubba Bolden, the safety uh, on that defense, is another one uh, to keep an eye out for as well. Um, so there are some, I, you know, I take it back. I, I do love me some Bubba Bolden. So Bubba Bolden is a really good uh, football player. I really wanted him to come out last year, and he didn't come out. Uh, so so really interesting. And Virginia's got one of the better statistical quarterbacks in college football this year. They have um, uh, Brennan Armstrong, who is having himself quite a year. Uh, 66 completion percentage. Uh, 1700 yards, 13 touchdowns, three picks. So that Virginia team is putting up points. Um, Don't and that should be, be really fooled interesting. by college stats, Steve. Don't be I'm fooled not, by college I'm just, stats, I'm, man. I'm not, Come I'm on. Not, I'm not saying draft the kid. I'm not saying draft the kid. I'm just saying it'll be fun to watch. Dierra King versus Brennan Armstrong. Okay. There could be some. There could be some points scored. It'll be. Uh, it'll be. A, it'll be a fun game to watch. But I, I, I caution anybody to get enamored with college stats. Okay. And and here here is the game that I'm really looking forward to on Friday night. I'm actually going to be working uh, the local high school game here in Arizona, so I'm going to miss the game live. But I am hitting the record button on this one Four as a referee. Night. Not as a referee. No, uh, I take tickets at the front stand. <laughs> 
I get to watch the game for free and I get Chick-fil-A. So I don't know. It's I get free Chick-fil-A. So it's a pretty sweet deal that I got there. Uh, and I get paid like 25 bucks an hour. So 25 bucks an hour to sit there, watch co- a high school football and uh, free Chick-fil-A. So I'll, I'll take it. Um, 4-0 Maryland versus 4-0 Iowa. Obviously, to his brother, Talia Tagovailoa, having himself a great season. That Iowa team, good's in the running back, fun to watch. Um, their, uh, their tight end at Iowa. Um, rather high sought after recruit, uh, hasn't quite put up crazy statistics since he got there, but, uh, uh, Sam Laporta this season has 17 catches for 214 yards and two touchdowns. You know, he is a six foot four, 250 pound, you know, athlete at the tight end position, tight end you there at Iowa. So Laporta and Goodson are the two guys to have your eyes on when you watch that team on offense. And when you watch that team on defense, Jack Campbell, really the linebacker really sticks out to me. And obviously they got Riley Moss and they have, um, oh, why am I blanking on the other corner there? Who's the other Matt corner? Hankins. Hankins. Matt there Hankins, we go. Yeah. Matt Hankins. So a lot of players to watch for Iowa. And, and of course, mm-hmm. you know, got, whatever it is, I don't, I don't got it. What do you, our Tyler Linderbaum. Linderbaum. There we go. Why did I blank on that one? Forgetting about the big ugly up front. Yeah. Uh, the, why do I wasn't thinking about him? Because my mind is on Dante Demas. I am really digging what Dante Demas has been doing this season and what, what he started to do late last season and what he started to bring on this season. I mean, he is a six foot three, 220 pound wide receiver, uh, inside outside flex. I've really been impressed with Dante Demas this season, uh, averaging 18 yards per catch on 24 catches. And he's got three touchdowns. He said a touchdown in like nine consecutive games dating back to last year. Uh, Dante Demas is a guy that I'm really going to keep my eye on um, when watching uh, Maryland on offense going up against Riley Moss, going up against Megan's because that, that, that's a good passing offense in Maryland. Mike Loxley, you got Tagovailoa, and then you have Jarrett and you have Demas. So you have some good players on that Maryland offense and they're going to test that Iowa defense. So it's going to be really cool to see how Hankins and Moss go up against Jarrett and, and Demas and how like a fun matchup handle yeah. it too. I'm a little, I'm a little mad now that I can't watch it live. Um, but, uh, speaking of this could be one of the better weekends in college football this year. Uh, I, I have, I have three five-star games, like absolute must watch football games this weekend. So let's go through the must watch and then we can sort of sprinkle in the other ones. Number one must watch right up at noon. I'm surprised I didn't move this one to a, a later time slot. Arkansas at Georgia ESPN. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, you want to keep your eyes on uh, on some of these Arkansas players. That includes, um, I'm blanking on the name. I got to pull up my notes here. This is still, still too early in the season for me to, to memorize them. Ridgeway, well, the Ridgeway on the interior defensive line. You've got Trayvon Cat- Burks, Catalan. Traylon Burks, a lot of players. And it's just kind of fun to watch KJ Jefferson, their quarterback. Um, but then that Georgia defensive front I up against Arkansas's offensive line. That's what I'm looking forward to watching. I mean, the talent on that dude. Traylon Burks versus, he's probably going to end up going against the talented freshman one-on-one. My guess is they're probably going to have Ringo, who's going to be a top five pick uh, two years from now, going up against Traylon Burks. But if Kendrick ever ends up on Deion Burks, that's a matchup you're going to want to watch. And just that defensive front uh, going up against, uh, you know, Jefferson, that quarterback. I mean, just talk about that Georgia front. They're so freaking good. They, man, Jordan Davis. Well, you know, my man, Jordan Davis, this past week against Vanderbilt, it was a, it was a scrappy battle between two SEC powers. Yeah, 62 and, nothing. Uh, yeah, 62 nothing. And Jordan Davis only played nine snaps. <laughs> that didn't stop Georgia from only allowing, what is it, four first downs 
in that game. I mean, they mm-hmm. were stacked as um as my head coach Frank Beamer said. Uh you know, they got 55 star players all over that team. I mean, they were stacked up and down and when they showed the defensive front seven, it was like five star, five star, five star. Mm-hmm. You know, just all these draft eligible guys. It's no wonder that they're just absolutely loaded and um you know, Arkansas is coming in. They're ranked number 8. Georgia's ranked number 2. I think it's going to be a, a wonderful slugfest. Good luck mm-hmm. to Don Keith and her Arkansas, uh, you know, Razorbacks <laughs> there. Um, I, I don't know how close. I really don't know how that game's going to turn out. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be one of the best games of the weekend. I'm really excited for it. Yeah. Excited for Jordan Davis to get I his first taste of. Scoring. I think it's going to be very low scoring. I agree. I don't uh, think we're going to get a whole lot of scoring out yeah. of it, but I'm really looking forward to seeing yeah. uh, Davis face, you know, some top tier SEC competition mm-hmm. and and not just, you know, Clemson. <laughs> um, which is, uh, I guess they're going to have it down here this year. Speaking of top tier SEC competition, can't leave the show without talking. I mean, this is must see TV here. Bryce Young versus Matt Corral, who's currently the odds on favorite to win the Heisman through uh, the first four weeks of the college football season. Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin coming back at Alabama, CBS, 3.30 p.m. I mean, on top of Matt Corral, who is my favorite player to watch in college football right now, uh, Lane Kiffin, who I, I think Lane Kiffin's ready to take over college football. Like I, I this is going to be a, a test game, but I think outs, obviously you're playing in the SEC with Alabama. I think I think Lane Kiffin, if he can upset Alabama this weekend on the recruiting trail, I think he could start to create a juggernaut there at Ole Miss, or he could parlay that into uh, into an NFL gig. But you, you know what I think about when I think about this game and and what you were saying about you know Lane Kiffin wanting to take over college football. You ever seen the movie Above the Rim? I've not. I've heard of it. I've never seen it. So there's like this scene where this young hotshot basketball player guy, he uh you know he he mm-hmm. challenges the the old the old guy that used to be a, a prep star security guard or whatever, and he thinks he's going to walk all over him, and ends up getting taken to absolute school and embarrassed. <laughs> and I just have a bad feeling that that's going to be what happens uh, to old miss this uh, Saturday. I want, look, yeah. I want, yeah, I want that to be a good game. I want it to be close and I want Lane Kiffin to kind of stake his claim to the sec. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I really, I really don't. I mean, it, it, It's funny too, because um, I was having a conversation with a couple of people in our Buffalo fanatics family chat. And I was like, Matt Corral could be the first quarterback off the board. That's he could add this draft is um, like, it's going to be him or Malik Willis. And I was like, there are some teams that could absolutely fall in love with Matt Corral. And another guy who, who gives off some Baker vibes because he's a little smaller, but could still sling that rock around. Um, and he was like, no, turnover machine. And I'm like, the guy has thrown nine touchdowns and no picks this year. But if you go back to last season, he had like multiple, like he I threw, he had like, he, I think he had two, four he, turnover games or three, he four threw him in bunches. Games. He threw him in bunches last he year. Had, and it's what he, four, it's what he hasn't done total. this year. Yeah. So yeah, it's what he hasn't done this year. I mean, the old Matt Corral could show up against that Alabama defense, which maybe again is something interesting to watch. But I mean, speaking of other players to watch, Dontario Drummond is is a really good, obviously, uh, a player wide receiver for them at Ole Miss. Uh, my my eyes are going to be on Ely. My eyes are going to be on Jerry on Ely, that guy I talked about last week. The the uh, the running back, five foot eight, one hundred ninety five pounds. Uh, I think he broke like thirteen tackles last week against Tulane. Like absolute stud of a of a scat back i, I want to see what jerry on ely can do against an alabama defense that's going to be one of the matchups um that i'm looking for and then obviously alabama's got a bunch of players you can look at the running back robinson you can look at some of the other players like um you know the tight end who uh 
apparently has really soured, uh, who has really soured with Nick Saban and that's Jaleel Billingsley, the six foot four, 230 pounds, sort of like H back. He's now like their third string tight end. Uh, they've had a guy come up uh, lately, uh, Cameron Latu, six foot five, 250 pounds. Um, he's been looking good for them. So that's another tight end to keep your eye on. I'm not sure if I, I, I believe he's a sophomore. I don't even think he's draft eligible. And then obviously guys like John Mechie, you're going to want to keep your eye on as well. So offensive side of the ball, defense side of the ball, there's going to be a ton of prospects to keep your eye on in that old Miss uh, Alabama game. And then another game, your man, Desmond Ritter up against Notre Dame, Cincinnati at Notre Dame on NBC at two 30. This one is going to be uh, one that's really fun to watch. Desmond Ritter and uh, Talia Tagovailoa, according to advanced analytics, pro football focus have the highest passer rating while under pressure. Um, but that Cincinnati Notre Dame game is going to be something to watch. Yeah, that was that was on my uh, that was on my list for the uh, the two thirty slot was that Cincinnati Notre Dame game, and again, you know, there's there's a handful of guys on both sides of the ball that are going to be you know draft eligible players. Obviously, Sauce Gardner, um, Desmond Ryder is going to be you know in there somewhere, mm-hmm. um, and then Notre Dame, you know, Kyron Williams, and uh, even though their tight end isn't available, it's always you know, going to be fun to watch him. Their offensive line, mm-hmm. so that'll be a fun one to watch. I will say, kind of going back to the quarterbacks of this class, I was trying to think of a way to explain to help people relate to what this class is because you know we've talked about how you can kind of talk yourself into hyping up any quarterback class even though it might be severely flawed like I keep coming back to this class is similar to if you want to go recent memory Kyler Murray Dwayne Haskins Drew Locke Daniel Jones Mm -hmm. or if you want to go back even further the Christian Ponder draft class Mm -hmm. where you have like Christian Ponder and Blaine Gabbert and uh, who's a Jake Locker and, you know, all those guys. So I just, there's guys that have traits in this class that you like. I like things about Matt Curl. I like things about Malik Willis. I like things about mm-hmm. Desmond Ritter, but none of them are giving me that wow factor that make me would make me want to give up a lot of assets or move up or anything like that. Not so far, at least. Mm. Yeah. Looking through some of these other games. Are there any uh, early games that uh, have caught your eye? Um, well, aside from the ones that we covered, um, I think Oregon Stanford, obviously for the secondary should be fun. And mm-hmm. then West Virginia, Texas tech, a big 12 shootout. Always fun to watch a bunch of offense. And, um, of course for the Western New York locals, Syracuse and FSU should be uh, one to watch. You can watch Mackenzie Milton, um, do his thing against the, the Syracuse. What are they called? Orange, orange men, orange people. What are they now? <laughs> the orange, they're just orange. Just just oranges now. So they went yeah, from just orange. They went they went from being musketeers to fruit. Is that? Yeah, yeah. That's that's that sounds about right. <laughs> okay. Uh, I got Michigan um, Wisconsin as as the Fox Big Noon game. Uh, obviously. Oh yeah, Big Ten. A Big yeah. Ten shootout. Uh, Florida Kentucky six p.m. Uh, obviously, Elam the corner uh, will be interesting to watch. Obviously, Kennard going up against that Florida defensive line is something to keep an eye on as well. And that uh, Kentucky running back too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he uh, speak about that Kentucky running back a little bit. Yeah, Richardson, um, or Rodriguez. Sorry, Rodriguez Jr. Uh, had a nice big game against Carolina. He had twenty six for one forty four, five eleven, two twenty four. Mm-hmm. So good size. Uh, I think he's a little bit more shifty than the guys that we have. A little bit more speed. Um, so just uh, again, you know, if you're if you're looking down the road to uh, to bring somebody in those middle late rounds, he he would be yeah. somebody to watch. And of course, that SEC pedigree, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, uh, there are so many games that we're not even mentioning today. Too Baylor, Tons. Oklahoma, 
Baylor, Oklahoma State, ESPN 2, 7 p.m. I mentioned some of those guys on Baylor's defense that I've been keeping my eye on. Jalen Petrie, Terrell Bernard is obviously not going to play, but uh, Siaki Ika. Um, uh, Oklahoma State, I like Spencer Sanders, the quarterback at, Spencer, uh, at Oklahoma State. I think he's uh, going flying a little under the radar. He was a guy who was starting to rise and then sort of just since the whole COVID thing has sort of disappeared a little bit. Uh, and then Auburn at LSU is going to be interesting to see if Auburn starts Bo Nix or if Auburn goes with uh, the LSU transfer at quarterback. So uh, that game's interesting. And obviously, you got your boy Demont Demon Clark. You got some really good corners there at LSU. Um, Stingley, uh, yeah, Stingley, and 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 his 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 running mate there. I'm I'm not I can't I'm blanking on his name. Uh, he's he's not draft eligible, but they got some good corners there at LSU and and Auburn. I like the corners at Auburn, so it'll be see, it'll be interesting to watch the corners at Auburn. Uh, go up against that LSU defense. Uh, Bo Nix is a funny is a funny case. I fucking hate Bo Nix. He's so bad. <laughs> he's so like the most overhyped, overrated. Just he's so just it, everything about him. I hate Bo Nix. It it just goes to show how the whole prep quarterback development thing is so flawed, and how these mm -hmm. these teams that they constantly stack four and five star guys, and who rates them, and how and. How they're gonna like nobody know Tyrod Taylor was a number one quarterback coming out of high school. Yeah, and he ended up going in the sixth round and he's been a journeyman quarterback. Like this, it's such a it's such a flawed process that nobody knows who anybody is. You know, I just I find it really fascinating that somebody like Tyrod can be the number one mm -hmm. player in the country, but then Josh Allen gets no scouting love whatsoever. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's it's it, awesome. It is pretty crazy. Have my list is a FS1 game. It would be on 1030, uh, your people, East Coast people time. Arizona, UCLA, uh, Chip Kelly is kind of sort of back other than Jake Hayner uh, ruining it. They're playing the game in the Rose Bowl. I always love watching games in the Rose Bowl. Uh, but Arizona State, to me, it's all about that defense with ASU. Um, it, it's all about that defense. Jack Jones, the uh, boundary corner who will probably be moving into nickel. Five foot nine, 175 pounds. Uh, Chase Lucas, I'll mention him week after week, a middle round corner, six foot, 185. Um, to me, he's an, a career dime defender, but he's got kick, punt, return, flex. They got some linebackers uh, on that team and Darius Butler and Merlin Robertson. I, I think they're more three for 34 guys than they are um, 43 guys. So so that'll be interesting. And then they got, um, they got that DT there at Arizona as well, that space eater. Uh, but there's a player from Arizona State that, when they first recruited him, I wasn't so keen on him because he wasn't a great receiver. And that's Johnny Wilson, and six foot seven, two hundred thirty pounds. He's starting to get better as a receiver. I don't think he's ever going to be a really good receiver. And this guy's a sophomore, but he's the kind of guy who I think could get drafted in the National Football League. Spent a couple of years on a practice squad, and obviously this is also dependent on how he progresses over the next year or two. Only a sophomore at Arizona State, six foot seven, two hundred thirty pounds. He adds twenty, thirty pounds to his frame. Uh, I think some people could see some Darren Waller in Johnny Wilson. He's a guy I'm going to keep my eye on over the next couple of years. And then UCLA. I kind of like Dorian Thompson Robinson as like a Tyrod type of uh, six foot one, 205, just like a Tyrod type of like career possibly backup quarterback, a guy who can do things with his legs and make things happen. I, I don't really understand like the NFL in how they um, just have these giant white statues as backup quarterbacks. Like I, I just. Go find me a go find me a six go find me a guy who can run around and make some make some schoolyard plays. That's what I want as a backup quarterback in the National Football League. But the running backs there at UCLA, Britain, uh, Britton Brown, uh, and and Zach Charbonnet, and then that offensive lineman, uh, Sean Ryan there. 
Uh, he plays left tackle for them, but he's going to be a guard in the NFL. Some players on UCLA and Arizona State in that game that could catch the Buffalo Bills and NFL scouts' eyes. And I know you had, uh, we'll close it off here. The Boston College game was something that intrigued you. Boston College, Clemson, primetime, ABC. Yeah, uh, Boston at 7.30, Boston College versus Clemson. Um, Clemson on the verge of being out of the top 25 if they lose again. Boston College is undefeated so far this season. Um, mm-hmm. Looking like they're trying to stake their claim to the ACC. Uh, in, the, in the same, I believe they're in the same side of the division or the same side of the conference as Clemson is. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, uh, Alec Lindstrom from BC. Ooh, so good. Talk him know. up. Talk him up. Yeah. Well, I mean, what he he's a center, um, but also I think he's a guy that you can ask to play Our guard. Flex. Again, mm-hmm. Eric, the Eric Wood route, you know, but 6'3, 295 center, um, technically refined. He's uh, very capable as a run and pass blocker. So just a well rounded mm-hmm. player. And again, if you want to bring him in as a guard to start and then slide him over once you're done with Mitch Morse, that's always a possibility. And since we lost Jack Anderson to Philadelphia, mm-hmm. you got to continue to look down that road and, and try and mine some talent there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the it, other I mean, one, but but that, that Boston College, missed, that interior offensive line for Boston College though, Zion Johnson, the other guard, six foot two, three fifteen, and uh, Christian Mahogany. So that entire interior offensive line of Boston College. Both Johnson and Mahogany made their way onto the PFF's play week list uh, this week. So that entire interior offensive line for Boston College is something to keep an eye on in Clemson. And, and what's the game we missed? Sorry about that. Sorry, no problem. Um, just the the one player from ASU, Donovan West, that we talked about a couple there you weeks go. ago. Yep, offensive line. Yep, the, the inside offensive lineman, the wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So, you know, again, we're going to keep pounding these in, interior offensive linemen all year until it's proven to be not, a, not an issue. But – I think uh, the more you know about these guys, the better. And this week, there's going to be a showcase of games to be able to see all these guys in action yeah. and find out who your favorite is. You know, you might uh, you might disagree with us as far as uh, which one you like better, and, and that's what ab- this is all about. An absolutely unbelievable slate of college football games this weekend. I mean, if there was ever a weekend to sit inside and not leave your couch for uh, 12, 13 hours. This would be one of those Saturdays, uh, obviously headlined by those big SEC matchups, and that's Cincy Notre Dame matchup. But uh, until next time, Randy, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we'll be watching a lot of college football this weekend, and we'll be back next week with more of the same. Go Bills. Go Bills.